just in case. Well, thank you so much for giving me the privilege and the pleasure of coming and ministering to you from God's Word on this wonderful and so important day. Um, just in case you don't know, my name is Ernie Gottschall. I've been pastor at Faith Bible Church since 1992, and Eric came to our church over a decade ago. He was at University of Southern Indiana and a student there and came to Christ, and he was faithful and has been faithful up to the very present time. He's been associate pastor with us for six and a half years and uh, has served us well. And you, it, it's a, we're sadly excited because he established many relationships there in Evansville, Indiana. And um, he comes with his wife, Jody. And Jody uh, is also a wonderful, she's a wonderful Bible teacher. Uh, my wife, whenever she uh, taught at the ladies' Bible study, she would come home and, and uh, speak so highly of Jody's teaching. But this is a privilege, and I want to thank Eric for inviting me here and the elders of this church and giving me this opportunity to, to speak to you. Um, Eric has been a devoted servant of the Lord. He's been a lover of Christ, of the church, of preaching and giving leadership in so many ways. We all at Faith Bible Church, uh, and especially, of course, the elders, appreciate his diligence, his discipline, his concern for biblical faithfulness, the spirit of unity that he maintained throughout the six and a half years as associate pastor uh, on the elder board. Uh, his love for Christ is very evident. He is a man of many gifts. Uh, he loves to teach and preach. I went back into uh, our website archives this week and uh, found a class he taught back in 2011 on discipleship and read some of those notes there, and they are just excellent. And the best thing about Eric is that he has proven himself to be a man of godly integrity, of godly character, which is the most important quality for leadership in God's church among God's people. He more than meets the qualifications for eldership in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm sure I speak for Faith Bible Church and all the elders of our church when I say that we commend Eric, Pastor Eric, to you without hesitation as a man of God who will faithfully and fruitfully serve his Lord and you, the people of Cape Bible Church, He's had that faithful ministry, as I've said, for well over a decade, and I have, no, I, no, I have no doubt that that will continue, that God will continue to use him. He has been a faithful servant of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning um, in this commendation message. I've never done this before, but um, I am privileged to do it for uh, Pastor Eric. And so we're going to talk about a faithful ministry. Let's pray together first as, as we get into the message. Father, we thank you for 
your faithfulness to us. Lord, whether it be Cape Bible Chapel or our church back in Evansville, your people, how faithfully, how faithful you are to us. And Lord, over these last months here at this church that you have provided leadership and teaching from this pulpit, we've listened to, to some of the messages, how good they are. And Lord, I do pray as we uh, get into the word here this morning that you will, as our brother just prayed, uh, stir our hearts, Lord, inflame us, Father, for your glory, for the ministry, for evangelism and edification and all that's involved in the ministry. And we pray that every heart that's here today would be uh, greatly encouraged, Lord, that we might be strengthened to live our lives for you, that we might be 100% in and uh, that you would continue to bless and bless even more this church in these years ahead. In your name I pray, amen. I'm going to be speaking from Ephesians chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole portion there, but in verses 11 down to 22, Ephesians chapter 2 is, that portion is, I think, the best description anywhere of the church. And what I want to do is I'm going to pull out some principles of what the church is And then I will um, uh, draw a conclusion from that point, and that will be the uh, commitment that I'm calling us to here for your church, for your elders, your deacons, your teachers, every child of God in this church. We want to be faithful. We want to have a faithful ministry. So in in Ephesians chapter 2, reading verse 13 to get us started, but now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, You who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What is the church? The church is God's people who have been purchased by the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And that's what that verse says. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Acts 20, 28 says God purchased you with his own blood. Jesus Christ must always be first and central in any faithful ministry. Christ and Christ alone has purchased us from our sins. He has reconciled us to God. He has brought us near. He is the most important person in this place this morning. He is the one who is building His church. We have the privilege of being fellow workers with him, but it's Jesus Christ who is the builder, and the gates of hell won't stop him from gathering his elect and bringing them together and bringing them to God, as that verse says, we who were far off have been brought near. It's a beautiful idea there, a beautiful truth, brought near to the Father. There's only one way to God. It isn't through the religion of your choice. There's no other religion in this sin-soaked world that will bring you to God. We just heard a wonderful uh, testimony from a missionary family talking about the 1040 window and all the different religions, and uh, our heart is grieved. But the reality is, is that biblical Christianity and Jesus Christ and His blood are the only way to God. Every other way is a false way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. Peter preached in Acts 4, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other way under for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ, do you realize how blessed you are to be part of a church where Jesus Christ is exalted, he is honored, and a faithful ministry will continue to do that? You see the same thing in verse 18. For through him, Christ, we both, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles there, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Without Christ, we are lost in our sins. He is also the cornerstone in verse 20. We're going to read that in a minute here. But Christ not only purchased the church, but he gives the church definition and direction. He is our prophet, priest, king. He rules the church. We function under his authority. God the Father loves his son and insists that he, as Colossians says, in has the preeminence in all things. And so the commitment, number one, a faithful ministry will always exalt Jesus Christ and Him alone over the church. Looking unto Jesus, as we just heard read, the author and finisher of our faith. Every one of you in this building, in this place, your eyes must be focused on Jesus Christ, looking unto him, the author and finisher. That's that's a faithful ministry. And Jesus Christ is always exalted as Lord and King. Second, in our text here, you'll see it in verses 19 and 20. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's so important. This church, to be a faithful ministry, and I'm sure it has been, but this church a local manifestation of the body of Christ must be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Nothing is more important than the foundation of a building. Just ask that poor guy who built his house on the sand over there in Matthew chapter 7. We have one and only one foundation on which God is building this church. The bottom level of that foundation are the 39 books of the Old Testament, On top of them are those 27 books of the New Testament. Christ builds us up and communicates his will to us through the foundation of the Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all Scripture is God-breathed. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. We learn God's will not by our feelings, Not by mystical experiences, we learn God's will through the Scripture. The Bible is the foundation of the church. You remove the Scriptures from the church, or even even question and doubt, deny parts of the Scripture in the local church, and you have confusion. 
You have spiritual aimlessness. You really have deception. Only the Scripture, this foundation of the apostles and prophets, gives us the wisdom to truly know God. And so that second commitment is a faithful ministry will always hold fast to the absolute authority, the inerrancy, and the sufficiency of God's Word. In a very practical way, this commitment right here drives everything else that the church does. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4 says that God has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness through His Word and by His power. All things that we need are in the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is profitable, useful to teach us. And you know the passage there in 2 Well, let's turn to it. If you have your Bible there, <clears throat> look over at 2 Timothy chapter 3 real quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Scripture gives us the wisdom we need to know how to be saved in verses 14 and 15. But verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That's why it's authoritative and inerrant and sufficient. And it is profitable. It is useful. Very practical. Useful. Like your kitchen sink is useful in your home. You use it every day. The Scripture is useful. What is it useful for? Four things. It's useful to teach us what we need to know. So it's God's classroom. It's where we come to learn what God says. It's useful to convict us of our sins, sort of knocks us down. It drags us into God's courtroom, shows us where we're wrong. And then it's useful to correct us. It takes us to God's hospital. It builds us up. It knocks us down. It straightens us up again. And then, fourthly, it is useful to train us. The Scripture is God's fitness gym. It's the athletic field. It's the gymnasium. It's where God trains us and helps us to grow and train, become more like Christ. The whole process, what I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase, progressive sanctification. You come to Christ and then you grow in Christ. How important that is. And you need the Word of God. A practical result of this, this, uh, this uh, commitment is a, also a commitment to the ex- exposition of the Word of God the exposing of the Word of God. And I'm sure in the months to come that Eric will lead you in the exposition of the Scripture, exposing to you what God says in any given passage. You don't come here to be entertained. We have plenty of that. I, I heard a, just a little advertisement for, I don't know the, the channel, but it said 24-hour comedy. And I thought, oh my goodness, can you imagine... Americans sitting there for 24 hours watching a television channel that is 24 hours of comedy. That's a tragedy. No, we don't come here to be entertained. We don't come here to watch a performance or even to learn a few tips for how to have a better life. You know why we come to church? Among other things, but this is the most important. You come to church to meet with God and to hear what He says 
in His Word. That's why the commitment is to the absolute authority, inerrancy, and sufficiency of Scripture. So important. Psalm 119.130 says, The unfolding of your word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. God speaks to us through the Scripture alone. So a faithful ministry is committed to the authority of the word and in a regular, systematic fashion. Third point I want to bring out of this passage is in verse 22 back in Ephesians. Verse 22. 21, excuse me. Verse 21. The church is a living, growing, holy dwelling place of God. The verse says, in whom we, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Growing together in a holy, into a holy temple dwelling place in the Lord. Is that good? You don't attend this church just to sit, soak, and sour. You don't attend this church to hear and leave and do nothing. You attend this church because you are a living, growing, serving people that God is transforming, that God is changing into the likeness of His Son. And that's what the local church is about. Growing in the Word. And so the third commitment is a faithful ministry will labor to equip and train God's people for the work of of the ministry. And you could add to that, to help God's people grow spiritually, to grow and change, to become more like Jesus Christ. Now, I know you heard a message last week that sort of was about this, but Ephesians 4.12, that's what it's all about over there. God has given gifted people to the church, to help them to train and equip the body for the work of the ministry. And so, here you have a fresh start, a new lead pastor, Eric, along with the elders and others that, will be a part, that are part of this ministry, but going forward, preaching and teaching and discipling. And Eric is a discipler, by the way, life on life. Small groups, any other means that God uses to transform and train His people for evangelism, for missions, for prayer, for defending the faith, for growing godly marriages, helping you as a family to rear your children in the things of God, for local and foreign missions like we heard this morning in the class I was sitting in, for counseling biblical counseling for all kinds of service. No spectators here. No spectators in the body of Christ. Everyone is out on that field, learning, growing, serving, ministering, training. I think this is one of the most exciting aspects of being a Christian, and especially in in leadership as a shepherd of God's people. We're part of God growing His church, growing His people. We're part of God's great, now over 2,000-year endeavor, God's mission to build His church, and we're part of it. That is so exciting. I love to think of being part of the same building 
that Ephesians 2.21 is talking about, this whole structure being joined together grows. Same part, same building with people like Martin and Kate Luther, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards and his gracious wife Sarah, with George Whitfield, with Charles and Susanna Spurgeon, with William Carey, John Patton, Fanny Crosby, Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorites, James Montgomery Boyce, died in the year 2000, John MacArthur, a man that has so blessed this the Church of Jesus Christ over, ever since I was pastoring. And I started pastoring in 1978, and I was plugged into listening to John MacArthur and has, have been blessed. All part of the same body. Jay Adams. I don't know if you know who Jay Adams is, but he, is, he was one of my mentors. He's getting up there in age now, but he's basically the guy that started the biblical counseling movement, which is flourishing even more to this very day. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. We're all part. We're part of this. All these people, these these millions of people who are part of this living, growing, holy temple of the Lord. A faithful ministry will labor to equip and train God's people for the work of the ministry so that we can be growing in Christ. And then, fourthly, verse 22 Paul says, in whom, in the Lord, you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Being built together is in the passive voice there, so it's not some, we don't build ourselves into the body of Christ, no. The church is purely the workmanship of a sovereign, gracious God. Purely. God the Father, in this verse, this very verse, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all involved in sovereignly choosing you and building you into the body. Every true believer, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you were in God's mind in eternity past. God chose you, God the Father did, way back in eternity past, before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1 tells us that. Every member was on Christ's mind as He came incarnate, God the Son incarnate, lived 30-some years, abused in those last hours on the Good Friday, the night before, going into the morning, mocked, spit upon, back in the garden, drew back from taking that awful cup. If it be possible, Lord, May this, Father, may this cup be taken from me, but nevertheless not my will but yours be done. And so there Jesus went to that cross and he drank that awful cup of the wrath of God in full for every person who wants to be saved, for every person who is saved. Jesus drank it all. It is finished, he cried there on that cross, all for you and for me, purchasing us with his blood. And then, in time, the Holy Spirit knew 
where you, where I lived. The Holy Spirit came knocking on our door and brought us this message of a reconciled God through the blood of Jesus, His Son. The Spirit called us, convicted us, brought us to this faith in Jesus Christ so that we indeed can spend an eternity with God and not an eternity in hell. What a message. The church is the workmanship of a sovereign and gracious God. And this is why we have to get the gospel right. This isn't just a human organization using any methods we think will work to build the church. God builds his church through the gospel. May this ministry, Cape Bible Chapel, this preaching and teaching ministry, clearly and regularly proclaim the pure gospel of the grace of God. That's why the fourth commitment of faithful ministry will proclaim the gospel of the grace of God nonstop in all of its glory and power. That's why Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. Before James Boyce, who was pastor of the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, before he went to heaven uh, back in June 2000, I remember when that happened, I was at a Ligonier conference that very time when it was announced that he had actually passed away. But his last book that he wrote, and I'm going to <clears throat> bring this to a conclusion with this point, <clears throat> his last book that he wrote, James Montgomery Boyce, was this, Whatever Happened to the Gospel of Grace? Whatever Happened? to the gospel of grace. And I love the subtitle of that book. Listen to this. Rediscovering the doctrines that shook the world. And sure enough, those five solas of the Reformation shook the world. The world, especially Western civilization, has never been the same since the 1500s. What are these doctrines? These are doctrines that are part of the gospel. These are doctrines, truths, that we must die for, thousands have. We talk about, is that a hill I have to die on? These are five that we have to die on. What are they? Sola Scriptura. Scriptures alone are our authority and the source of knowing God. That's why we have to teach the Scripture. Just keep on doing it. Read it. Memorize it. Every day you're in the Word of God. I hope you are on your own in your personal life. Reading the Scripture. Solus Christus. Christ alone is the only way to God. Sola gracia. God does not owe us salvation. We are saved by grace alone. We have nothing to bring to the table except our own sin to be saved. And God will grow this church as you faithfully and powerfully preach the gospel and call people to turn from sin, turn to Jesus Christ, put their faith in Him. Preach and pray and trust God to open hearts to believe. That's what Paul did. The fourth one is sola fide. We say this over and over again. 
And we will keep on saying it over and over again. In our church, we have a banner with these five solas right up front. But we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's a faithful ministry. To keep on proclaiming those things, those truths, those doctrines. Martin Luther said, justification by faith alone, quote, begets, nourishes, builds, preserves, and defends the church of God. And without it, the church of God cannot exist for one hour. Martin Luther. John Calvin said, whenever the knowledge of justification by faith alone is taken away, the glory of Christ is extinguished, religion abolished, the church destroyed, and the hope of salvation utterly overthrown. By faith alone. How many people believe that they're going to get to God by trying to do the best they can? Every religion outside of Christianity is basically built on that. And here we have, and you have, and this church has this message, sola fide, faith alone, which humbles us and makes us grateful that God humbled our hearts to bring us to trusting in Jesus Christ alone so that we are declared righteous, which is what justification means. And then the last one is sola deo gloria, the glory of God alone. And how important is that? The glory of God alone. The Bible presents God as high and lifted up. These songs we sang this morning. He is the king of the nations. He is a great and awesome God who abounds with love and mercy and compassion and is holy and is sovereign and is a coming judge of all the earth, of all mankind. God doesn't exist for our pleasure. We exist for His pleasure. This awesome God, amazing God, created the universe in six days. Created man out of dust. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. He's going to close history by bringing all mankind to account. He alone deserves all the glory. Romans chapter 11, verse 32. You know this verse. It's wonderful. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Four commitments to a faithful ministry. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I believe it's verse 7. I run, I've run the race. I've kept it. Kept the course. I've, I've, been, I've kept the faith. Run a, I've run a good race. I forget exactly what it says. But I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Exalt Christ above all. Preach the word. Equip and train to help God's people grow and always may be gospel-centered. We all need to hear the gospel all the time. And we do pray that God will bless this church. We commend Eric Coher as your lead shepherd. What an important calling this is. And all the leadership of this church we call to guard and guide you as a local body in these commitments. May God bless Eric and his family. 
but Eric in his particular ministry here, and fill you all with great wisdom and energy and passion and zeal for the work of the ministry here at Cape Bible Chapel. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the church. And thank you for providing gifted men to provide leadership for this church. And so, Lord, as we now have this commissioning service, commissioning time, Lord, may you be honored. May this church be filled with your spirit, be filled with zeal, with passion, with desire to honor you. May the word of God go forth from this place even more intensely and even more effectively in these months and years to come, Lord. In your name I pray, amen.